Hi there, everyone, and welcome to the Rupa Subramanya Show. I'm Rupa Subramanya. Today, I'm here to bring you the latest developments in a rapidly unfolding diplomatic saga that has sent shockwaves through the international community. It all began with the killing of Khalistani Sikh activist Hardeep Singh Nijar, a case that has ignited tensions between the world's largest democracy, India, and Canada. Nijar was a prominent Sikh Khalistani activist. He was gunned down by massed assailants on a bike in Surrey, British Columbia back in June. Now, Khalistan, for those of you who don't know what Khalistan means, it refers to a homeland for the Sikhs in the state of Punjab in India. They would like this homeland to separate from India. There was an active terrorist insurgency in the 1970s and 80s in India, which culminated in the assassination of then Indian Prime Minister Indira Gandhi by two of her Sikh bodyguards in 1984. The following year, an Air India jet was blown up in midair by a bomb planted by Khalistani extremists based in Canada. Everyone on board perished. Most of the victims were Canadians. It remains the worst act of terrorism in Canadian history. Now, on Monday, just a few days ago, on the opening day of Parliament, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau makes an explosive speech in which he alleges that agents working for the Indian government were responsible for the killing of Nijar. Shortly afterwards, Foreign Minister Melanie Jolie expelled a senior Indian diplomat. Now, the Justin Trudeau government is yet to provide any proof or evidence to back up these serious allegations. India's reaction has been very swift and uncompromising. In retaliation, the Indian government expelled a senior Canadian diplomat and dismissed the allegations as being absurd and motivated. On Tuesday, Canada's Department of Global Affairs issued a travel advisory to Canadians not to travel in India. On Wednesday, India retaliated with its own travel advisory, warning Indian students and visitors that their safety may be at risk in Canada. The Canada-India bilateral relationship, which I've been tracking for many years, was already on the brink, uh, especially under the Trudeau government. It is now spiraling downward, ever downward, in a way never seen before. Now, at the time of recording this, my sources in India suggest that India's Ministry of External Affairs is getting ready to cancel the visas and overseas citizenship cards of Indo-Canadians whom they believe are linked to the Khalistan movement. If that happens, we can probably expect some retaliation from Canada, making it harder for Indians to study, work, or visit Canada. To make sense of all of this is my friend, Abhijit Ayur Mitra. He is a security and foreign policy expert based in New Delhi and a senior fellow at the Institute of Peace and Conflict Studies, also based in New Delhi. He has commented quite extensively uh, on this ongoing uh, diplomatic saga between India and Canada, and it's my great pleasure to welcome to the Rupa Subramania show. Thanks, Rupa. It's always uh, great to catch up with you and finally get to see your face after years. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a real pleasure. You look just as handsome as ever. Thank you. <laughs> uh, um, so let's let's uh, uh, get into the uh, discussion, Abhi. So um, what did you make of Justin Trudeau's explosive speech in Parliament um, uh, in the House of Commons on the opening day of the fall session, accusing agents of India as being responsible for the targeted killing of uh, Khalistani activist Hardeep Singh Nijar? Um, look, it just smacked of politics from day one, because this is not how friends behave with each other. We need to remember when I say Khalistani, I'm just talking about the sort of elite subsection of the community, which uh, have this almost vice-like feudal grip 
through terror uh, of the community. I myself have suffered from this in Melbourne when I lived there. You know, being a Tamilian, I had to hide my Tamil identity in the last phases of the Sri Lankan civil war because, you know, there was a, a whole sort of elite capture of the Tamil diaspora out there, which used to extort money from the community. So what's happened is I think Justin's given into that, and I'll tell you why. See, there were uh, in a normal first world country, as I understand it, a country with the rule of law, the way things proceed is you have an investigation, uh, you get to where the leads no longer are traceable within Canada, and then you approach with proof, you approach through intelligence sharing your uh, friends uh, and the uh, country where you think the crime trail leads to. Uh, usually the country where the crime trail leads to then collaborates with you, failing which you ask your friends to pressurize that country. In this case, it was the uh, five eyes, uh, you know, New Zealand, uh, uh, Australia, the UK and the US. Now, it turns out that uh, he has gone and spoken to the other five eyes. They have agreed to intervene, uh, which is, you know, basically uh, act as a courier, nothing more. Uh, uh, and say, you know, New Delhi intervene. Now, as I understand from my sources in New Delhi, they're like, intervene on what? Give us the leads. You don't have any hard intel to give us. You've given us no leads except to say, oh, you might be involved in it. Tell us who came, who are you accusing, which flight did he come with, and we'll trace him for you. Uh, none of that. Uh, apparently, his entire tirade with Modi at the sidelines of the G20 summit was all generics, zero specifics. There was no intel sharing. There was nothing. Now, assume India and Canada do not have the level of strategic trust for intel sharing. We both have extremely robust intel sharing with the Americans, which is meant to be utilized precisely at a time like this when there is no mutual trust. But there is mutual trust with America to do that intel sharing for that intel to have been given, but none has been shared. Uh, every single thing I've heard in Delhi was, it was generic requests to help, which India was not predisposed to do because India has anyway given very specific inputs about terrorism and terrorist activities being carried out. Now, I mentioned this very carefully uh, because you have to interrogate me about this later when I say terrorists. I'm using the Indian government lingo. It's gotten uh, uh, drilled into my brain. Uh, it is actually incorrect. It is a whole load of criminal activity, which the Indian government describes as terrorism. Because remember, there is no Khalistan movement at the moment. There is a whole lot of organized crime happening in Punjab in the name of Khalistan, but there is no Khalistani terrorism or secession happening at the moment. The, um, you know, the Khalistan bit, the secession, the uh, uh, creation of a state, is all kind of post facto uh, 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 hitched onto it to make crime seem respectable, mm. right? And that's my reading of the situation, that uh, uh, Justin Trudeau and his intelligence uh, 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 operatives probably understand this very well. They specifically did not want to share or even possibly have specifics to share with India. They did not want the reciprocal agreement of exporting uh, crime gangs, which is what you see has happened with the so-called Khalistan movement in Canada, essentially a criminal enterprise, uh, back to India in spite of very specific requests. And he thought that America, UK, Australia will all go along with it, which they did not. 
they just conveyed the message and that was it. Yeah, so, um, I mean, you you make an interesting distinction between terrorism and criminal-related activities. I was under the impression that Hardeep Singh Najjar was actually wanted on terror-related charges back in India. So is that is that uh, is that still accurate? Absolutely, it is. So yeah. Nijjar, we we need to separate the Khalistan movement from mm-hmm. Nijjar because remember okay. what happens is uh, you tell me one terror movement. I think uh, True North and you study this a lot in Canada. You could tell me maybe if it's different in Canada, but mm-hmm. um, there isn't a single terror movement we know that does not have intrinsic and deep links with organized crime. Because, right, you know, the fundraising for these movements has to be through extortion, drugs, basically systemic uh, corruption or corrosion of the system where, you know, systemic inefficiencies are uh, employed to generate the profits. Right. Now, mostly that's what it is. Because remember, if you're generating funds out there, where exactly is it going in India? Because you haven't seen a bo- big bomb blast in Punjab or a major killing in Punjab in the last few years for terror-related activities. It goes in to settling criminal scores. So you even look at the bomb blast that uh, 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 Niger is wanted for. Niger is wanted for something very specific. That's a pure terror activity, but he's also wanted for a lot of criminal associated criminal activity. The terror activity is something he went in 20... 13 and 14, I think, to Pakistan to meet this guy called Tara something. Uh, and the same Tara guy then uh, he is wanted for because he's openly admitted to being behind the bomb blast that killed the Punjab chief minister, Beant Singh, the last uh, Congress chief minister, uh, the last to last uh, Congress chief minister of Punjab in 1996. Uh, he lived in Pakistan. Niger has gone to meet him. Uh, this Tara fellow has traveled to Thailand, which has an extradition treaty with India. Dirty old man, God knows what he got up to out there. Uh, and the Thais obviously caught him and uh, 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 extradited him to India. And from that point on, it seems this Niger guy has taken over. Now you have, I think, if you've been on Twitter today, you've seen this video of this man wielding and firing Mm AK-47s. Now, anybody who fires an AK-47 knows that this is not a precision rifle. This isn't for hunting caribou in the great Canadian wild. This is an extremely inaccurate weapon that fires lots of high-velocity bullets that's meant to lay down cover fire while Russian snipers then take out specific targets. This is a terror weapon. Uh, It is not a hunting weapon. And yet that is what he's seen fi- uh, firing. His whole range of ammunition that he's seen firing and training people on are much more suited to terror activities than they are even remotely linked to hunting in any form or way. So you have videos showing him training up people at guns. You have him uh, with a clear, and by the way, the Stara Singh fellow is serving a life sentence at the moment for the killing of uh, the Punjab chief minister. How do you not, uh, under what part of Canadian cr- uh, uh, criminal law mm. is this fellow not a criminal or at least a person of interest to be interrogated? <laughs> Given his own record of consistently lying, subverting the Canadian system, breaking law after law after law in Canada, and then being given citizenship on an unknown basis in 2015. How was he even given that citizenship? 
Well, this this is a question that I've asked myself on uh, on uh, uh, on X or Twitter, or whatever we're calling it today. But uh, no, absolutely, uh, Abi. I mean, I'm you know uh, an immigrant here myself, and I've had to work very hard to uh, be here legally, unlike uh, Mr. Hardeep Singh uh, Nijer. And uh, and and it is quite extraordinary. I mean, there's it certainly raises a lot of questions. He came to Canada on, under false pretext, under uh, uh, you know, and then applied for uh, 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 legal residency, but he was denied because they didn't believe his story. He 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 alleged that he claimed that he was uh, uh, in a prison in India and he was tortured by Indian police. And the immigration panel was like, "No, I think this whole story sounds fabricated," and we're denying your application. And then he marries a woman in British Columbia, and then they uh, they reject his application yet again, saying this is a marriage of convenience. And then I don't know what happened between then to the time that he got his citizenship in 2015. So it certainly raises a lot of questions. Um, but, you know, going back to this, this is even if India, you know, was behind this or, you know, let's just let's just assume that India was behind this. There's a way of dealing with this sort of thing with an ally, um, you know, uh, through uh, lots of talks, back channel talks, intelligence sharing, whatever. The, the dramatic way in which Justin Trudeau went about doing this by by making these allegations in the House of um, uh, Commons, so he's protected by a parliamentary privilege, right? Yeah, uh, not just parliamentary privilege. Uh, he's also, you know, in a sense, uh, absolved of responsibility if uh, things turn out to be incorrect later on. Mm. Uh, because you can't sue, as far as I I think it's the same system in Canada as it is in uh, India, but you can't be sued for anything you see on the floor of the house. So, you know, there's no yeah. perjury, uh, contempt, or whatever that applies on the floor of the house. Uh, see, the problem here is when Israel carries out targeted killings, which they do quite often, uh, these things are handled in private. Uh, I think we all uh, are old enough to remember what happened in the Dubai killings about seven, eight years back, where, you know, the Israelis botched a killing, or rather they left a trail. The Dubai guys came after the Israelis, but they'd all fled. And these agents had fled to Poland and Germany because they were in Polish and German passports. They were arrested on smaller charges and they were extradited to back to Israel, knowing full well that they would not get extradited ever to Dubai. Uh, mm. Today, Dubai would probably even collaborate with Israel in these kinds of things. Now, let's be yeah. clear. This, assuming the Indian government did this, this would not be an extrajudicial execution. It would be a quasi-judicial execution, which is something Canada agrees to and has legally endorsed. Uh, if you go to my timeline, I've tweeted out Justin Trudeau's uh, tweet uh, uh, when the U.S. carried out a targeted killing of Ayman al-Zawahiri, the al-Qaeda number two. I think by that time it became the number one. I, I, I don't know what it was. What is a targeted killing? It's a very specific taking out. Now, if you go to the uh, jurisprudence of targeted killing, which uh, was, uh, you know, the uh, the accepted jurisprudence is by Dr. Daniel Reisner, who was the, uh, 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 you know, he, he was the legal head of the uh, uh, Israel uh, Defense Forces. Uh, he's also a professor at the uh, ICT, the uh, uh, ICT uh, College in Herzliya. I think he was there at one of the conferences that we did, uh, you and I, in uh, Israel. Mm -hmm. He laid down five, six criteria 
for what made it legal. The first was repeated use, which Canada has endorsed with America and its alliance participation in Afghanistan, Iraq, Yemen, and all of this. Uh, so Canada has agreed by repeated use. The second is public endorsement, which Justin Trudeau himself has over the killing of Ayman al-Zawahiri. Uh, the third has been if you are in a territory where there is no reasonable way of being able to extradite you, which Canada has proven over and over again that in spite of credible intelligence with proof provided to Canadian authorities, they refuse to extradite these people. And by the way, Pierre, uh, uh, Justin Trudeau's father also did the same thing. That guy uh, who was responsible for the bombing of Air India uh, 182, uh, uh, Pierre Trudeau refused to extradite him, citing, do you know what was the excuse used, Rupa? No, uh, it please was, tell us. It was, uh, you don't accept the queen as head of government, uh, mm -hmm. as head of state. So you may be in the Commonwealth and we may have an extradition pact with you, but we will not because the queen is not your head of government. She's merely the head of the Commonwealth for you. Therefore, we're not going to extradite. And a year later, that fellow went on to bomb AI-182. Mm -hmm. Right. So what Canada does historically has been, uh, they will cite they accept the fact that everybody that India wants is actually required for crime or terror or something like that. Even yesterday, there was a political assassination. Uh, uh, again, it was a political crime, uh, 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 drugs-based assassination that happened of a Congress leader in Punjab, where a fellow sitting somewhere in Toronto has claimed responsibility for it because he's a big gang lord in Punjab while sitting in well somewhere in Ontario, not in Toronto. Uh, uh, and uh, there will be no extradition for it. Because what happens is every time it comes to the extradition phase, the Canadian government then cites their political opposition. Mm. So what happens here is you have this well-rehearsed routine where you carry out criminal drug-related shootings, you pass it off as political, then you make political statements against India and Canada, and you use the political shield to claim that this is a political extradition as opposed to a criminal extradition, and Canada always falls for these suckers. Right. Uh, now, understand, I, I don't think Canadian uh, the Canadian system is dumb. I think everybody knows exactly what's going on, but we all know that Justin Trudeau kind of uses this kind of identity politics and especially extremely radical, uh, violent uh, identity politics uh, uh, practitioners on the ground to extend his control over a certain system. So this is what happened. And this is what you see happening even today, mm. where all Indian extradition requests are denied, citing political refusal or political dissidence as defense against actual physical crimes. Mm, interesting. That's, so, uh, so anyway, yeah. uh, sorry, yeah. I, I lost my train of thought. I, uh, Daniel Reisner, the uh, fourth criteria was it must not be used as punishment for a past crime. It has to be prevented preemptive, uh, not preempt, pre preventive, it has to be preemptive. There's a very subtle legal difference in uh, legal concepts of war out there. Preemptive is, you know this guy is going to kill me, therefore I kill him today. No. Uh, there has to be imminence. You need to know the gun is in the hand and he's coming to kill you and then it becomes preemption. There's a very clear legal definition. So it has to be preempting uh, an ongoing crime, etc, etc. So Daniel Reisner laid out these criteria. 
Canada accepts these criteria. They've been going with the flow. They've acquiesced in British uh, and especially lots of American targeted killings. So I really don't know when he talks about sovereignty, uh, what he's talking about exactly. I mean, how does he explain, how, how does he contrast his explanation with that tweet that he put out regarding Ayman Azawai? Yeah, well, speaking of uh, contradictions, so less than 24 hours after he makes these extraordinary allegations, um, he, there's a bit of a climb down, uh, and I think you've commented on it as well. Uh, he said he didn't want to escalate things with India. He didn't want to antagonize India. It all sounds rather bizarre. What was uh, what was your reading of it? How how you know what are your sources on the ground in India saying about his his uh, his his climb down um, um, uh, less than 24 hours uh, later? Uh, apparently, it had a lot to do. If you noticed how your high commissioner to Delhi. Uh, uh, Cameron McKay uh, left yeah. the foreign ministry just within four minutes of entering it in an extremely nasty mood. He virtually assaulted the ANI reporter on his way out. Uh, so what ends up happening is it turns out that the Indians told him in no uncertain way that they have lots of juice on uh, liberal party leaders, liberal party Sikh leaders, especially uh, uh your former defense minister, Sajjan, uh, having lots of dealings with criminal gangs in Punjab. Uh, because you see, this is a very toxic environment. Crime is fungible. Punjab is one of the most backward states because, you know, in 1991, when we had our big uh, moment of uh, leap to industrialization and liberalization, Punjab was still in the throes of an insurgency and it never modernized. It's still been an extremely feudal agrarian state where 20% of the population essentially controls all the politics, all the land, everything. And a lot of these people who become so-called quote-unquote community leaders in Canada belong to that ruling class and they have deep, deep, deep uh, fingers in organized crime back in Punjab. In many ways, it's like the, uh, you know, the Pakistani army diaspora. Pakistanis are fundamentally good, decent people, but the army that controls the system is the sort of nexus of industrialists, uh, landowners, the big landowners and the army. Uh, all their kids don't fight in Kashmir. It's only the poor people's kids who die in Kashmir. All the rich ones are sitting somewhere in Toronto or Washington, D.C. or Boston or London, living the high life using Pakistan to extort wealth. And that, that's what goes on out here. And apparently they have lots, lots of juice on lots of liberal leaders, uh, essentially involved in crime in uh, Punjab. Um, so let's talk about the reaction of uh, Canada's allies uh, to, this, to these allegations. Uh, as you and I have noted uh, on X, that uh, the response has been very tepid, it's been lukewarm. Um, there was one report in the Washington Post which said that the Americans didn't even wanna get involved in this. Uh, what, what do you make of this? Um, you know, For me, the question I keep coming back to is, why on earth would you make these allegations? Uh, you know, What were you hoping to accomplish by this? Did you actually think that the very same, your allies would just pick your side over India, given that India is a rising economic giant and uh, an important uh, counterweight to China uh, as far as the Indo-Pacific is concerned. 
I honestly don't know what this man was thinking because, uh, I mean, you tell me, Rupa, we, uh, we all know you never go and do a public presentation till you have all your facts in hand and you know exactly what's coming at you. You know, before your PhD or your thesis defense, you always do several mock uh, uh, defenses before your friends and try to make it as brutal as possible. This guy neither lays the, uh, uh, does his homework properly, as we've discussed before. He also didn't do his groundwork. He's gone to all the allies. The allies have all given him lukewarm responses. Why did he need to go make it public, knowing full well that the allies aren't going to stand by him? None of the five eyes have stood by him. You compare this with, say, what uh, the five eyes did for, you know, the uh, the Kremlin's poisoning of Litvinenko, the... Uh, uh, you know, the FSB defector mm-hmm. who then got poisoned by polonium-210. Uh, uh, they all stood by and they coordinated the expulsion of uh, uh, Russian diplomats, etc., etc. None of them are standing by uh, Canada and Trudeau. And it looks very bad for the Five Eyes Agreement for an ally to be left out in the cold like that. But then what does it tell you that Trudeau has gravely uh, misread uh, mm. what the allies told him. I think this comes down to Melanie Jolie because uh, she's clearly not been doing her job. I don't know what she has conveyed to these people and what those people, or has she misinterpreted it and misconveyed it back to Trudeau? Uh, because none of them have stood. What have they said? They've said it's very serious. Any murder anywhere is an extremely serious crime. They have said, we have conveyed Canadian concerns to Delhi, which is what you do. The the real intervention comes when people take sides and condemn. Have you seen anything remotely close to a condemnation or taking sides? Other than saying, yeah, we received messages. It's serious. We passed the messages. No, I haven't. It's all been just uh, diplomatic speak and, uh, and, and, and rather muted, actually. Uh, I, I shared a, and, a department of And the defense. UK was the worst. The UK was the uh, worst because when they were asked about this, they said, oh, we're not halting a trade deal with India. They weren't even asked about the trade deal and they immediately switched to the trade deal. No. And I just shared a tweet from the Department of Defense this morning. Uh, It's almost like they were trying to say, send a message. They were saying uh, our priority is to strengthen ties with India and uh, because it's a key part ally in our Indo-Pacific strategy. So, you know, the you look at the contrast right between Canada. Now, Canada has alienated both India and China. Uh, what is that? Two fifths of humanity, three, three uh, right there. And um, China, we know it's a totalitarian state. Uh, there are reasons to be uh, very suspicious of China, uh, given its role in the pandemic and uh, and that sort of thing. But India, I mean, you know, a fellow democracy. It's not a tin pot dictatorship. Sure, it's flawed. I've, you know, you as you know, I'm a, I've been a critic of the current Indian government. Um, and, and, and so, you know, it has its issues, but, you know, just to do this in this manner, just, uh, um, you know, it, it's just mind boggling. But um, I want to ask you about uh, things that have happened uh, in the last couple of days. Uh, you know, events have moved super fast in the last few days. There have been tit for tat um, diplomatic expulsions and travel advisories. Um, now, what are your sources saying in India? Like I saw you sharing a tweet saying that there could be a possibility that the uh, India's Ministry of External Affairs, uh, which is the Canadian version of global affairs, um, 
is now is like Canada's global affairs. India is seriously considering canceling visas and overseas citizenship cards of uh, Indo-Canadians. Um, is it is it all Indo-Canadians or Indo-Canadians with with ties to the Khalistan movement, or they suspect these individuals of having ties to the Khalistan movement? Um, can you clarify? Uh, look, my sources are telling me, and uh, this, mind you, my sources are intelligent sources. Ultimately, there's a political decision that needs to be made, and the political uh, masters will... I don't have sources out there right now. I've burnt all my bridges out there. Uh, uh, but uh, the list right now is they've gone through all the videos of a World Sikh organization and other uh, related Khalistani organization uh, protests and things like that. Uh, they've also made up very specifically, they've called out a list within that of Sikh Liberal Party members who they suspect uh, whose uh, uh, social media accounts they've been scanning for uh, 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 Khalistani literature or uh, 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 pro-terrorism as they view it, pro-terrorism, whatever. But most importantly, uh, was something that went under the radar, which I have tweeted, is a list of about uh, 24 Indian criminals, known murderers, uh, extortionists and rapists who are hiding out in Canada at the moment, uh, which Canada, we don't know how they got into Canada. We know they're in Canada and we don't know why the police in Canada isn't taking action against them. So that's been one part. The other part's been very specifically targeting Liberal Party uh, members who are uh, uh, close to Sikh uh, uh, separatist politics. And the third has been uh, uh, anybody who appears on these WSO uh, protest videos or any of these uh, Khalistani protests. It is going to be culled down, I presume, uh, because, you know, different interest groups will come in, into play when the political decision is taken. But yes, you are going to apparently see quite a few uh, cancellations of these uh, sort of long-term visas. It's not exactly dual nationality, as you well know, but yeah. uh, uh, it's it's basically all the rights except the right to vote. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so final question for you, Abib. What, uh, what happens next? Uh, where do we go from here? Uh, do you think we've hit... Uh, rock bottom, bottom, or is there, um, is or is there worse to come uh, in the uh, in the worsening bilateral bilateral relationship? Uh, do you think there's a serious possibility that that the that this relationship can be repaired, as long as uh, Justin Trudeau is still Prime Minister of Canada? Uh, look, Rupa, I can tell you this very honestly. I've been speaking to a lot of people in government, without exception. And, you know, India is a third world country where no minister or uh, uh, bureaucrat ever agrees. Uh, you know, if you've got 10 ministers in the room, you've got 24 opinions. Uh, this is one of the things they're very clear about, that this relationship is unsalvageable under Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau has to go. They are going to do everything to make life miserable for him from here. Uh, uh, and, you know, there are many ways of doing this. Uh, there isn't a single big Canadian Sikh businessman who does not have business interests back in Canada, especially a lot in the Liberal Party. They're looking at lots of options uh, uh, and Trudeau, as far as they're concerned, is persona non grata. Everything is fair game uh, as far as he's concerned. Uh, they are going to be very measured. 
you know, India is not one of those countries that goes berserk like China and starts using foul language and, you know, uh, crude threats. Uh, it's very measured, which is why I found the statement this morning, the travel advisories. And let's face it, nobody really, I mean, how many Canadians do you know modify their advice while traveling abroad based on a travel advisory? Does anybody take a travel advisory seriously? No, they don't. Uh, it's it's the people who are um, uh, have had their seventh booster shot and who are yeah. masked. <laughs> Uh, those those guys pay attention to these things more than anything, but they're a small French minority. Uh, yeah, we call them bankers in India. I don't know what you call them in Canada. In <laughs> India, uh, I, I, I think the French for it is le vainqueur, but uh, I don't know. I think I'm just guessing that's what it is. Uh, we should conform with bilingual laws. Uh, so uh, what happens is uh, nobody takes these advisories seriously and yet you look at the language in the advisory advisories are used for political signaling short of action you don't want to take action but you're signaling something it says very clearly politically condoned violence and hate speech mm. which means india is putting the blame for all the uh, political action uh, that's been happening against India out here, the uh, uh, displays of um, uh, the putative, uh, the desire to carry out terrorist mm -hmm. activities, or like that Gurpatwan Singh Panu, whatever he is saying, asking all Hindus to clear out from Canada. Uh, it, it has been laid at the door of Justin Trudeau, Christia Friedland, and Melanie Jolie. Uh, it is unmistakably a laying of command responsibility. And you know and I know exactly what command responsibility means in criminal terms. It is laying the foundation for a future criminal prosecution of Canada's current leadership when they're out of power. Uh, I think that is the logical place where that particular statement leads to. It, it is, yeah. uh, the, we've still not reached the bottom. The bottom is many, many months to go. I think it will continue to, the hole will continue, keep getting deeper as long as Justin Trudeau is in power. And, you know, Justin's kind of brought this on himself. If you saw his interaction with Xi Jinping, you know, he's just pointlessly passive aggressive. You can be honest, you can be straightforward with somebody and you can have a perfectly, you can convey perfectly uh, nasty messages with being perfectly polite without acting too smart by half. If you see, if you just go through that uh, thing with uh, Trudeau, he loves jargon. He loves hiding behind jargon and language and he thinks this is peak diplomacy. It is not. It never has been. Uh, he's done this to himself. He's got nobody to blame. Uh, he thinks it's going to yield him a Hail Mary in the elections. Best of luck to him. But the Indian government's also made a mistake. You see, the Indian government, the big mistake we've made is going on calling this terrorism, terrorism, terrorism. We've been playing to Trudeau's narrative, claiming that this is political crimes, as opposed to what it actually is, which is a political patina on a uh, druggy gun culture, uh, uh, extortion, uh, criminal underworld that operates across Punjab because, you know, Punjab has the highest drug addiction rate of any state in India. It's a, it's a chronic problem. I would urge your viewers to go watch a lot of these Punjabi language movies in uh, uh, on Netflix translated into English and, uh, and French, uh, which show you the extent of the problem out there. 
uh, India should be harping on the criminal aspects of this because there is not one chap who is associated with Khalistan who is not in one way or another associated with the drug running, gun running, or extortion gang somewhere, or land extortion gang somewhere in Punjab. Yeah, I, I, I know I said that was going to be my last question, but this question has been really bugging me, and this will be my last question, and I know you have to run into run to another meeting. Um, you know, so at the height of um, the, um, you know, the two, the two Michaels, as you're aware of the two Michaels, Two Canadians who spent who who were imprisoned in a Chinese uh, prison um, uh, and were accused of uh, being spies or uh, whatnot. They languished in in this prison cell for two years or more, and there was no uh, tit for tat expulsion of uh, diplomats, as far as I'm aware. And uh, you know why is it that Justin Trudeau went after India in this way, but not after China? A very good question. I really don't know. Um, I guess um, uh, it's to do with personal interest that the Sikh members of his cabinet have business interests in India, uh, but he doesn't. Most of his business interests would be kind of uh, Klaus Schwab and uh, uh, WTO linked and mostly tied into China and manufacturing. I don't know. Just the sheer levels of conflict of interest that this man has. You know, that uh, the island somewhere in the Bahamas or Caribbean or what have you, uh, uh, the amount of conflict of interest you see in this man is so enormous. Uh, do I think they have compromise on him? No. But do I think uh, that they have some kind of financial hold on him uh, in terms of business interests? Yes, I think quite emphatically, yeah. Well, on that note, I'm going to have to leave it there, uh, Abhi, but uh, it was a real pleasure having you on my show, and uh, and thank you for sharing your insights with us, and I really hope to have you back soon. Thank you so much, Rupa. It's always a pleasure talking to you.